Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Cliff podcast. I have a really cool guest on today, and she is a super talented veterinarian surgeon. She's a best-selling author. She's a cancer survivor. And all those things are, are really interesting to me, but it's actually about the, the 180 degree career turn she's going to be making soon that we're going to talk about. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. Sarah Boston. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. All right, let's uh, let's get right in on this. So, for the listeners who don't know you, uh, give us your life story in uh, thirty seconds or less, and then let's t- <laughs> let's talk. You can take a little longer than that, but then let's talk about this uh, this change you're making. Sure. Um, well, this is exciting. Actually, this is my twenty fifth anniversary of being a veterinarian. Like almost right now, which is kind of cool and exciting um, to think about. But, uh, yeah, I graduated in 96 from University of Saskatchewan. Yeah, so I know you're, you're like, is it really 25? It is. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a 98 grad, so I know a bit about your history. We might have crossed paths because you went to Guelph after for an internship. When was that? Yeah, so that was 96, 97. I was an intern. Yeah, so we would have been... Yeah. So you would have left like the spring of 97? Kind of summer of 97. Yeah. Uh, so I would have been a, a second last year. Like I, yeah. I started my last year just after you left. Yeah. Gotcha. And then um, I did three years of general practice out West and then went back to Guelph to do residency. And then I'm kind of shortening some of this because <laughs> I've moved around a lot. Um, and then I did a fellowship in surgical oncology at Colorado State University. Mm-hmm. And then what did I do right after? Then I went to New Zealand for a year. That was good. Um, and then I was out west for again. Uh, I, I back and forth because I, I love Western Canada so much. But my husband and our parents are all in Ontario. So that seems to drag me back and forth a fair amount. Uh, then I came back to Guelph. I was faculty at Guelph for five years. Um, and then I went down to University of Florida for five years. Um, I was surgical oncology faculty there. I would stay at a university long enough to get tenure, but not long enough to get a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> Don't recommend, but that's what I did. Um, and then I just really missed Canada for lots of different reasons. People can probably figure it out, but I moved back in 2017. Good timing. So, yeah, <laughs> there was a few. There was many. A few things going on down there. I don't know if people heard about that, um, but yeah, I decided it was time to come home, uh, which I'm really glad I did. And also decided at the same time to try private practice because it's something I had a ton of experience with. So I'm working with DCA Canada now in the Toronto area. So that's and I'm just doing surgical oncology, uh, which is great. Yeah, uh, and I love that. And um, somewhere in that mix, wrote a like had thyroid cancer. Wrote a book about having thyroid cancer, but realized I like comedy writing. Started doing classes at Second City, and then moved to back to Toronto area and started doing stand up comedy. And then I don't know. I'm just going into the next question, but like Do just <laughs> really love it. Really love doing stand up. And at first, I was just doing stand up like. I did not tell anyone I was a veterinarian. I just, it was just my own like hobby that had, you know, I could just go and just do stand up. I had never talked about being a vet, 
but it's such a huge part of me that was actually kind of hard to not not talk about it and then also like material right like so there's endless cannot ignore that endless yeah endless copy so um yeah and actually people really responded to it and then i i started kind of thinking that i really wanted to do comedy and stand up for veterinarians as well so we can talk about that but i feel like um our profession needs needs that um so that's part of my i guess part of my career switch and my career change and and what i'm hoping to accomplish but then what's this 180 sarah so <laughs> I just, I don't know, just being a part of the comedy community, I learned about a, a program at Humber College. Uh, it's comedy, uh, performance and writing, which are two things I really love. And I was like, huh, I wonder, I wonder if I could do that and um, just decided to apply. And, um, you know, my marks, my high school marks really helped me out. I got in. I, you also had to send a tape in. So I don't know. But anyway, I got accepted, which was really, really exciting. And um, my work, which is Mississauga Oakville Veterinary Hospital, were great because I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen when I went. <laughs> hey, I, I want to work part time for, you know, school year for two years because I really want to do this comedy class or course and and they were great about it. So and it, it I don't think it's kind of work out because it's uh, the campus is actually pretty close to the hospital. So I'm crossing my fingers. I hope I can do this. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But oh, yeah, hopefully it works out. Yeah. It sounds like you're uh, like many veterinarians and many successful veterinarians. You're uh, sort of uber passionate and and quite a go-getter and, and willing to juggle a lot. So I don't you know, I think it's actually funny that you say that because I think I miss I I loved being an academic. And actually, there's things I like about um, private practice, too. And and. But the thing I think I loved most about academia for me, well, two things. I loved mentorship. I loved having mentees to work with. And then the other thing was I loved how it was always changing. Like one week I was working on lectures or going to a conference and the next week I was in clinics and the next week I was like uh, doing something else and uh, writing a textbook chapter. And I think I like that. You know, I like having things kind of get change up constantly. So Mm -hmm. I guess maybe I'm trying to do that in my, non-academic life, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I guess the, uh, the people at Humber College look at your application and go, holy geez, look at all these A's. And wait a minute, she's a veterinarian? She must be crazy enough to be a good stand-up comedian if she's even thinking of doing this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'll be really interested to, and I, and I hope it's in person. We'll see, we'll kind of see what happens with that. I, I know someone else who's done the program and he was a mature student and he said there was like a big range of ages in the class, but I think there'll be like probably a fair number of 19 year old boys telling, can I say this on your podcast? You can say anything you want. Telling dick jokes. I think that'll happen, but we'll see. (laughs) Well, there should, there should be also a lot of uh, late 40 something year old been in their career 25 years also telling dick jokes. That's okay. Maybe you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. So you have more experience potentially with them than they do. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's funny because I've done a few comedy classes now and doing comedy like at, you know, not, not anywhere good, but just these like open mics and stuff I do. And I do feel, you feel different. Like when you're, you're coming at things differently, but I think comedy needs all different voices. So I'm excited about that too. Yeah. Now, do you think you, are you going to sort of 
purposely or you think you're going to be leaning on your crutch of knowing veterinary medicine and the humor that comes with our job? Or are you going to purposely try and get out of your comfort zone and talk about trees or I don't know? Oh, you know, I do. I'll, I'll do everything. So, you know, I kind of have a vision of, and it was actually just starting before um, COVID, but I, one of the things that I have a vision about doing is trying to do stand up for veterinarians at veterinary conferences, which mm-hmm. that'll probably be more our type of material that we understand as a profession, but not only that, but, but when I first started, I wasn't doing anything to do with um, veterinary medicine. I can make fun of lots of different things and I find a lot of things very funny. I find my family really funny and um <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the perspective of a, I'm a 47-year-old woman, so we have our own perspective on things, and, and uh, so, yeah, I'll, I do, I, I, I'm not, I don't plan on only doing uh, veterinary material, but mm-hmm. it's a part of me, right? So, like, you, you write about things you, you're experiencing and things that, you know, and really, like, some things I've learned about comedy is you should write things that only you could really, only, stories that only you could tell. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like yeah, you you write what you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so we'll see. I mean, I don't know, but I I definitely have a some goals like, you know, of things that I hope I get to achieve with this. So and one of them is like um yeah, we're you know, working with veterinarians and maybe veterinary students and uh I do think that there needs to be more comedy in medicine and I actually really think it's coming. So there, I'm yeah. saying it again publicly, but mark my words, like there are improv classes and stuff coming into some medical schools and um, it is a way to teach resilience. It is a way to teach people to think on their feet. It, there's a lot kind of going on there. So I don't know. I don't actually know where it's going to lead me, to be honest. I don't really like I have like fantasies and dreams and goals, but I don't really have a plan. <laughs> nice. That yeah. means you'll probably reach it. You just won't know how you got there eventually. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you can but write people a book are like, are you still going to be a vet? Like, what are you going to do? I'm like, yeah, I think so. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, but I, I don't really know. Yeah. I wonder if, like, you know, if, if you and I were in any sort of any other position, I mean, we're one of the most sort of sought after positions as far as like, if you ask the average child, what do you want to be when you grow up? A veterinarian is a you know other than like rock star or you know professional athlete. Uh, a veterinarian is a big it's a big goal. So a lot of people see it, I think rightfully so, as a dream job. And I mean, there's certainly challenges, but I think we're very very lucky to be in the career that we're in. I wonder if um, you're gonna sort of if if people aren't gonna understand this switch quite as much. Like you know, if I was just an average Joe. Uh, doing a great, you know, sort of nine to five job and decided, you know, because I'm the funny guy in the party that I was going to, you know, go to school like you are to become a stand up comedian or a comic writer. They'd say, oh, my God, that's a great idea. Whereas I wonder if have you gotten anyone saying, like, sit you down seriously and say, are you are you crazy? Well, people know that that know me anyway. But I you know, it's funny because we were joking about this before we started the podcast of of uh coming out as a comedian and and I was I was nervous about what people would say I was nervous when I left academia too what people were going to say about me but you know I think ultimately it doesn't matter because it you know you kind of have to let go of that um but I I I know I really thought about it I was like it's not that big a deal you know it's just a thing I'm doing and it's not it's you know like I I 
it's just something I want to do. And so, but having said that, I was nervous, but everyone's been so amazing and positive and like, oh, that's awesome. And, you know, go for it. And so, yeah, I've had like, and also, I, you know, people really who've kind of either known me for a long time or people who've sort of followed my career, like they've, they've seen that that's been in me for a long time. So like, you know, my book was a lot of humor writing, even though it was about having cancer. I know that sounds weird, but it was sort of like comedy writing or me learning that I like to do comedy writing and uh, the cage liner is something else I do. It's a satirical website for veterinary professionals. That's it's basically like the onion, but for, for veterinary professionals and uh, just everything I've done, like along the way, people are like, Oh yeah, that makes sense that you want to do that. So I, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool telling people that I'm doing this and I was nervous. Honestly, I was nervous about, and maybe people are saying things behind my back. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they are, but that's okay. <laughs> you can't hear them. So it doesn't matter. I can't hear them. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's when they're not talking about you that that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I read something, um, actually it was the editor of CVJ. He's lovely. And he sent me, he sent me some writing of his own and he, I was just like one little phrase that stuck in my head was, uh, how do you turn the fantasy into a dream? And like, you have to do something about it, right? You can't just sit around saying, like, I can't be this annoying person in my 50s and then be saying, well, I liked stand up and I should have done something about it. And yeah, because that's, that's actually really annoying, right? And that's also not good for you. Like, you just got to go for it. So I'm in, I'm in the Toronto area. Now I, I'm in a job where they're allowing me some flexibility. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go for it see what happens so yeah well it's uh especially right now and i'd love to hear how busy you guys are with covid because i think the average veterinarian is you know working uh 20 times 20 percent more than they used to be but uh we're in such a demand that you know you're always going to have a job ready for you afterwards you know like that's you you know we, we we have job security that's for sure um but uh yeah kudos to you because you're stepping at least part-time away from something that's secure to i i mean i'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy and again we briefly talked about joe rogan and i listened to his podcast a lot and he talks about that being a stand-up comedian i hope i'm not scaring you is the most difficult thing in the world because when you bomb it's like there's no getting out of it it's so painful um so you are and i mean you know all this stuff i don't know if you've ever bombed before but um like you at least know how difficult this must be and and again kudos for you for just saying screw it i'm i'm this is what i want to do i'm doing it uh you know um i don't like the life is too short saying i prefer to say life is life is too long to not not do what you want to do so um now you got a chance to do both yeah, I'm excited about that part. I'm excited about trying to navigate, like, you know, I think it will be hilarious that I'm, like, going to be, like, checking on my patients and then driving to class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I find that funny. I don't know, I just find that really funny because I'm going to be like, oh, I just did a thoracotomy and now I'm going to go to school and, yeah, but we'll see. Like, I think, I think it'll, it'll be okay. <laughs> I wonder so how I many. I wonder how many of those uh, dick joke telling nineteen year old boys would be like, "You don't understand. I'm so tired. I was up <laughs> till four a.m. Or, dude, I only got eight hours sleep. You have no idea. You have no idea, Sarah. 
what do you do? What did you yeah. do? And you'd be like, oh, I just did a five-hour surgery and saved the dog's life. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I know. Yeah, it'll be, it, it is interesting just to get all those different perspectives. So I did feel like that's some of my comedy classes that I've done. Like, you know, they'd be, t- I mean, everyone just talks about their own experience and it's no disrespect to 19-year-olds, but they just haven't had as much. So the, they talk about what they're doing, like dating and Tinder and it's a lot of sex jokes and stuff. And, um, but I'm like, did I tell you guys about the time I had cancer or like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh. they tell you about how I got held up at gunpoint in Florida. And like, I'll just be like saying all this stuff and they're just like, (laughs) (laughs) so I do think that, you know, life experience, it, it helps with comedy and we have lots of experiences, right. That are interesting as veterinarians. So, and, and, this is something that, you know, I think about a lot with the cage liner and just ways to connect veterinarians and ways to help veterinarians recognize that they're not alone. And some of the stuff's hard, but some of it's funny too, you know? So yeah, do you, do you ever, I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of people, a lot of veterinarians and a lot of uh, vet colleagues that reach out to you and sort of say, thank you. I mean, I think, I think humor does help us survive the, the, the difficult job that we have. Is there ever, and I'm kind of being a devil's advocate to a point here, do you ever sort of get the feeling that you also want to say, relax, guys, we can laugh. Our, our job's serious, but it's not that serious. Like, Yeah, I mean, I think I just do it in my own way with satire. Um, mm. Mostly I just see the people, like, because the cage liners on Facebook, so I'll see the comments. Mm. And, and I would say most of them are positive. I've had a few, like, just trolly things that make me sad but whatever that's fine um (laughs) that's gonna happen right but most of it's like people connecting or like tagging each other or saying oh i was just saying this or you know and and it's the coolest thing to me is that like it's not just vets in north america it's like there's vets in australia and vets in england and they're they're popping on and giving their comments too and and like it's this universal thing like this universal feeling of way the way that the general public perceives us which isn't always positive it's it's mostly positive but it's not always positive and and the way that clients treat us and because we're not treated like physicians we're not treated like any other healthcare professional like it's it's different and it's in a good and a terrible way i would say like it's this familiarity that people have with veterinarians that they treat us like they're friends and they love us, but they also are very casual with us and sometimes don't treat us very well. Mm-hmm. So I find that really interesting actually, because you'll say, well, would you treat a surgical specialist in human like that? Like, of course they wouldn't, they would never have the access that people have to us. Like, you know, they, it, it just, it wouldn't happen, but for better, or for worse, we have that right as veterinarians. So. Yeah. I think for the most part it's better, but occasionally it's worse. But, and yeah. I think, and I think you must the have a good is, job. You must have a really good job. Um, <laughs> it's funny. And I want to, this will be a good segue into your rating, your, uh, your, your online, what is it? The Google ratings, um, my reviews that I read your Google yeah. reviews. But, uh, I mean, talking about me, how, I mean, no, I, I get people pissed off and being rude to me just as much, I think as any other veterinarian. But one thing my, my son said recently, and all three of my kids have worked one of them currently works part-time at my clinic, but all three of them have worked at their, their clinic, right? Or at my clinic. And one of them said once to me, when we were trying to figure out why my Google review average was lower than, than a lot of the others in the area. And he said, well, dad, you've been an owner for a lot longer because I've owned the clinic for 21 years now. 
you've been an owner for a lot longer. And so now you're old enough to just not give a shit. And you tell people that when they're being rude. And I mean, I don't say those words, yeah. but I think, yeah. I, I think I really enjoy my career partially because when I know they're being unreasonable, I don't give a shit and I just hang up on them. And, and, you know, it's good to fire someone every six months, a client, not a staff member. It's good yeah. to fire a client every six months just to know you still have it in you. Um, and as long as you're not like, Hey, we haven't done it in a while. Oh, she was five minutes late. You're fired. We didn't do, you know, we didn't do any of that. But, uh, uh, I think that's, that's one of the ways I survive. Um, yeah. I, I like that. Cause we are similar vintage. I think there is a point where you kind of go, I don't need this. I don't need to treat your dog. I don't need to be talked to like this. And like, for me, like I, I sort of just feel like, well, I think for any veterinarian, like they need to trust you. I'm doing big surgeries on their dog and things could go bad. And if they are like starting off the appointment with, you know, I had, a, I had a, a consultation last week and the clients are like, what kind of suture are you going to use? And what they just were asking these like outlandish questions, like how much experience do you have with this? And I was just like, I was just like a lot, like, you know, I've done this hundreds of times. Like, I'm not going to justify my experience. Like I was like, if you want to go somewhere else, I, I, I guess what you said, I don't give it, I don't care. Like I, you don't, if you don't trust me or you, you know, like go find another surgeon. Like that's, there's lots of great ones in Ontario. Go for it. I, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all, but I'm not going to be questioned and like, yeah, they had researched different, like, they didn't have medical knowledge yet. They Googled it all up and, and were like, which, which, which method are you going to use? And I was just like, I'm not doing this. And like, well, why would this surgeon use this method? And you're saying, I'm like, I don't really know, but they're both acceptable. Go, go get that. But my regret actually after that appointment was I should have just said, you know what? I'm not interested. And here's your, here's your consult feedback and Bye. Um, That's what I should have done. I should have done it. Should have listened to you. There you go. Well, 10 years ago. So again, I was, you know, only a vet for, you know, 13, thir only for 13 only. years at the time. Um, and I looked a lot younger than I do now. The beard has stopped getting people asking me how young I am, which I think is, I guess is okay. They don't, they don't, oh, how long have you been a veterinarian? Uh, they don't ask me that anymore. But anyway. Yeah, I used to get that question. I don't get that anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's sad. So sad. So sad. Um, well, very quickly, too, when I first graduated, and I just, I did the math. You were younger than I was when you graduated as a vet. I yeah. was 24. You would have been. 20, yeah, I was 23. 23. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I was certainly baby face, and I worked for a, a great veterinarian in Nobleton, uh, if he's ever listening, Gil Plummer, he taught me so much uh, in the 10 months I was with him. He had a lot of breeders as, as his clients. And yeah, I, sorry. I kind of, I kind of slacked off in genology class. I'm never going to need to worry about this. I don't know what stage heat they are. I don't remember what a corpus hemorrhagicum is. Um, and then I get this job where he's like, Hey, do you want me to show you how to do uh, uh, artificial, uh, not insemination, like do, uh, uh, yeah, artificial insemination or, or semen insemination or collecting or determining heat. No, I don't want to know any of that stuff. And I got to say the breeders, this is my sarcasm voice, love the new young veterinarian tuck, touching their dog. And I quickly learned that Gil Plummer had the same, I don't give a shit attitude that I do. 
And so once I realized that and they would say, oh, how, well, how long have you been a veterinarian? And my joke was always, well, what time is it? And they just kind of, their jaws were dropping. I'm like, relax. If Dr. Plummer trusts me, he can, you can trust me as well. But uh, talking about, you know, the one client sort of questioning you, uh, 10 years ago, this gentleman comes in and uh, uh, I had only seen his wife and, but now the big, bad, mean lawyer, father, husband was coming in with the animal to get spayed. And it was, you know, just to spay, right? which we shouldn't say, OVMA says, you know, it's an hysterectomy, but it was a routine surgery, obviously. Six-month-old dog. Um, and he, he asks to the receptionist, hey, I want to speak to the surgeon. Um, so I come out and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Dr. Cliff. How can I, you know, nice to meet you finally, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, I want you to know that I'm a lawyer. And so if anything goes wrong, we're going to have words. There's going to be trouble. Really? And so they were bringing the dog back and I was like, wait, wait, turn around. I literally handed him the leash and I was like, here you go. He's like, well, and, and you know, of course, then he tried to backstep and I was like, no, 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 no. You go home. Yep. Uh, this is, you've already created so much bad karma with this relationship. Like now something's definitely gonna go, gonna go wrong. Like this is the situation. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't handle it properly. Uh, they went somewhere else, but, uh, you know, uh, my hair is just as gray, I guess, but it was, it was nice. Um, the nice thing is now we just had a week ago, I think if, you know, as veterinarians and and it's probably different with you because of the size of the practice you're working at and whatnot, but, um, only until recently, I was pretty much the only veterinarian at my clinic for the, the 20 years. Right. And when my staff see me sort of standing up for myself and standing up for the clinic, they start doing it as well. We had a client recently when a, a, a staff member was just talking about pre-anesthetic blood work and the need and the importance and whatnot. And he started yelling at her and she base and he basically said, get off your damn high horse and stop telling me how to take care of my dog. And all the while she's talking to him saying, sir, if you don't stop yelling, I'm going to hang up on you, sir, if you don't. And then as soon as he said that, click. And and apparently I wasn't there, but the rest of the staff, the young kids who'd only been with us for a year or so, were just like, oh, my God, like what? uh, How is Cliff going to react to this? Sure enough, she's like, well, let's go tell him. And so I come out and she tells me and I was just like, I can't believe you did not tell us you own a horse, Jessica how tall is your horse? What, what is going on? And so they all finally re- were like, tell that guy to take a hike. Like, you know, two strikes, you're out. That's it. You're done. So, um, yeah. um and it's, it's like I said, we all sleep better. And, uh, uh, I mean, he can go to the vet down the street. Um, that that's fine. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I guess the humor helps you, uh, helps you survive. So that's, that's good. Um, you know, back to writing a story and, and, and writing a book. And I obviously you don't mind talking since you've mentioned it about your cancer diagnosis and your survival and congratulations. Um, do, uh, uh, what I want to sort of kind of get at this is, did you find like, it was your humor that helped you survive it. Right. And, and, or helped you with the writing process and helped you get through a lot of this. Does having to go through that scare, give you more strength to kind of make this change because you've realized oh, definitely. that? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it, it made me more just like willing to change lots of things like that. You know, I got recruited to go to Florida and I was like, yeah, let's just see what that's about, you know, and uh, luckily my husband's very supportive and he likes adventures too. Um, yeah, I think, I think it made me more willing to try different things because it's just kind of that now I had thyroid cancer and I mean, I think I probably just as much chance of dying of cancer as anyone now. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's been removed and I'm, um, I think I'm almost 10 years out. So, I mean, things are going really well from that perspective, but I did go through, you know, discovering I had cancer and, um, just the worry of that and not knowing how it was going to go and the stress of, of that. And I think the good side of coming out of that is like, I definitely found my, my writing and my comedy writing, which was good because it was a way to deal with that stress. And some of my frustrations, quite honestly, about how slowly things were going when I was like, this is a thyroid tumor. Like, come on, like, you know, if my patient had that, it'd be gone already. And I still couldn't even get an ultrasound and I couldn't, you know, it was so frustrating. Um, so, but then, yeah, I think the way I dealt with it was just kind of just trying to write about it. And, uh, I love that experience and I loved, I loved writing the book. It was, it was probably like one of the best experiences I've ever had was kind of going through that process. Um, but yeah, I think it has made me, so for two reasons, one, cause I kind of discovered that I love comedy writing through writing the book, but then also, you know, you realize like. I don't know, you said you don't like saying life is short, but like it is, right? Like we're only doing this one time. And so you just, you really do need to find what makes you happy and kind of follow what makes you happy. And um, because, yeah, I mean, all those cliches that people say, you know, no one, no one dies wishing they'd worked more or, you know, so, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I don't want to have regrets. I just want to, you know, explore things. And I really don't know where the comedy is going to go. I think it's a chance it's going to go, it's not going to go anywhere. I'm going to do two years of it and say, that was really cool. And I'm just going to go back to my blogging and my cage liner and my speaking. And, you know, I think that is possible. I hope not. And then it's a possibility I'm going to somehow incorporate it into whatever the next phase of my career is. And then, you know, then there's the fantasy stuff of like really being successful doing stand-up, which is what I want. But, you know, it, it's not like any, you don't just get to have that because you want to. But then there's no successful stand-up comedians that didn't work at it. So you, like, it's kind of that point where it's like, you'll never get there if you don't break off and and kind of dedicate time to really being good. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the really successful comedians, like Jerry Seinfeld, like he worked he worked all the time. Like he he wrote jokes, he tried his jokes, he like he would go home and he would like go over how his jokes went and he rewrite his jokes. Like you know, it's a job. It's like a it's like any other job. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, is your husband uh, ready for all the jokes about uh, being married to to a guy and 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 because <laughs> it's going to be there, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. So you know, I think you know my husband, Steve. He's a '97 grad, Steve Lee. Yeah, we might. I don't know. I'm yeah. sure if I saw. Well, if he's what he's a '97 grad from. Yeah, '97. Yeah. He's a oh, large so veterinarian. I'm sure I recognize him because he was the year above me and he probably never looked at me because I was the year below him. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, if anyone who knows him knows he's a very wonderful person and a wonderful veterinarian. And yeah, he has to put up with a lot because I have to test out my jokes with him. And I, I was just doing this. I did a Zoom comedy show recently for Vets Without Borders, which I really was happy to do. But doing comedy over Zoom is like, it's really painful. I don't recommend it. Um, but I was like, so I was like practicing my jokes with him and, and I said, Oh, do you think this is funny? And he goes, well, it could be. 
He's honest. Like right before I started, I'm like, okay. And then it was like, it was on Vimeo, which is even worse than Zoom actually. Cause it was like, there was just, there's nothing. It's just yeah. me just it's talking to a computer. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we, can we get that video sometime? Are you ever going to put yeah. it live? You should do uh, like, I mean, it's, it was on the, it was like a Vets Without Border thing. I think it's somewhere. It's got to be out there. Yeah, it's not a secret. In the cloud, a, on the cloud, around Yeah, the cloud. it's somewhere. I did a lot of like, I didn't do a lot of vet stuff. I don't know why. And then it was like, in the moment, I was like, why, why am I not, this is a vet show, like for vets. Why? <laughs> what am I doing? I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, you can't work the it, crowd either. It happened. Uh, it's done. Cannot, that's the problem. Like, I think uh, storytelling you can kind of do over Zoom or, you know, these, but the stand-up is like, yeah, it, it, you need the crowd, so. Yeah, it's the only, it's sort of the only craft that you can, you can't really practice on your own. I mean, you can write, but to really hone yeah. it, you, you, you need that interaction. You need some, a group of people and various people to tell you if this is funny or not. Through yeah. their reactions, not through them saying that that could that was be funny. funny. Or that could be, yeah. That, that so I'm trying this month I'm trying something new, which I've always wanted to do. I don't I don't know how it's gonna go, but it was kinda like I was like talking about doing it and then I was like, now I'm like, oh yeah, this is a thing I do, but I, I don't but I do now because I'm doing it. I'm gonna do like laugh and learn. So I'm gonna try to do like surgical oncology content, but funny. You could do it. I have no idea how it's going to go, but it's yeah, hilarious. that's my other, like, because I'm, I mean, zoo, whether it's like zoom lectures, like those are really, those are hard to do. And I think those are hard for people to be engaged. Like, I don't know if you've done any conferences or gone to conferences. With, it's, it's really like, it's really hard. It's really hard to pay attention if you're in the audience and it's, it's hard because you're often there. The, everyone wants to pre-record them because yeah. they don't want to, they want to make sure the technician, the tech is good. But like, Again, it's just like you just talking to your computer and then it's just this lecture. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm trying to get away from that and more. I think I've never done any Zoom seminars, um, but I'm still learning just by doing this wildlife uh, volunteer work that I do. Uh, That's enough for my uh, CVO credits uh, by far. But uh, like, for example, I enjoy I truly enjoy talking to my family and seeing my family. I can't stand doing Zoom family get-togethers like it's so it's so unusual it's just we weren't designed to communicate this way um uh so i would imagine the seminars are the same uh the same sort of way it even took me a while you know when i started the podcast um six months ago maybe i had this crazy idea that the quarantine would be over in three months and so i just did a few of my own i just did like these 30 minute soliloquies talking about the stress of the job or some funny things that happened. And, you know, I'm good at rambling on, uh, or I can say I I ramble on, I should say. Um, And then when I realized I'm not going to be able to have people sit near me and and have this talk, I started doing it by by Zoom. And it was awkward at first. Um, And it's still always better uh, uh, face to face you know, close to each other to be able to see those interactions. So, uh, yeah, it'll be so nice. Uh, like I said, I love stand-up comedy. It's going to be so nice for you when you're able to to actually see people laugh. Um, but then it'll also be worse when they don't. 
That's true. That you're gonna yeah, because at least on, at least at least on the Zoom, you're just like, oh, no one's laughing. Maybe that's fine. Maybe it's yeah. good. Maybe they're yeah. just laughing. Maybe at they are inside. laughing, and there's just something wrong with my tech. It's got to be something tell. wrong with my computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what it's got to no, be. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to get. Like, I did try to do some Zoom stuff at the beginning, and then I'm doing a little bit, but I don't know. It's it's not the same. Yeah. Well, yeah. you got to do it though, right? You got to. You got to. It's awkward, but you got to practice it, and it'll just. It may not make you as good as sort of real practice, but it'll make you a little bit better. And the yeah. time that the world opens up and we got to use this, you know, we got to use this quarantine time to try and better ourselves in something, you know, we yeah. can't just, it's been a year. We can't just sit around and, and, and do nothing. I mean, we need to find a hobby, find a new skill, exercise more, do, do something, um, you know, uh, uh, you gotta do something new and challenge yourself or else, uh, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's a wasted opportunity, but it's kind of a wasted, uh, what else are you going to do? Right. You need to take this time. So, uh, so good on you very quickly. Um, so I can let you get back to, uh, to your family life. Uh, we got to talk about these Google reviews. So I'm going to post, oh, yeah. the, I'm going to post on the summary sort of to this podcast. I'll, I'll post a link to your website and, and, and your Instagram handle and whatnot. Um, but for those out there, uh, I actually found out about you as far as your stand-up comedy stuff um, through Instagram. I guess it like recommended I, I follow you or something like that. And so on your Instagram channel, you're sitting by a fireplace with a glass of wine, reading these horrible Google reviews of veterinarians and what I love about it is you don't defend, you don't defend the veterinarian. I mean, you do in your tone of voice, but you literally just read it out loud and just kind of throw in a, a whiny sort of tone to it, depending upon the person's complaint. But how did you, how did you, it's brilliant. How did you start doing this? How did you come up with this? I, I don't even know why, like, I mean, it's kind of like mean tweets or I don't really know why I think because I think I was just looking at some of the reviews probably at hospitals where I've worked and they're, they're, they're so mean and they're so dumb. <laughs> I was like, these are unfair and they're mean and they're dumb. And I just, I feel like, I guess there's a bunch of reasons why I started doing it. That's one reason. The other reason is I think what veterinarians do, like, you know, I follow a lot of people that do a lot of social media and, and advising people about social media and veterinary medicine. And like, there is this impulse when someone writes a really crappy review People are like, take it down, you know, get it off there. And like when people share those, they cover up the person's name. And I'm like, oh, no, like that's someone in your community. Leave their name up there. You know, like if you're this is my opinion, people might dispute this, but I'm like, no, leave them like that's someone's teacher. That's someone like they're being a real jerk. Leave their name up there so that people see that because they will if you have a good base of clients mm. i believe that your community will police that kind of behavior and you don't necessarily have to like you can say something like please call the office we're happy to discuss this with you but some of them are so i think it was like i also you know i i felt like this i feel like i'm trying to defend the profession in a way like because i want people to know what we're going through when you tell the general public like i've done this in stand-up when you tell the general public how some people, so hashtag not all clients, but how clients treat us sometimes. Like when I've done this on stage as a comedian, like people gasp 
they gasp at how we get treated because they don't, but no veterinarian ever gasps. When I've done that in front of veterinarians, they're like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what happens to us all I the time. I, but I think I know, I think I was that clinic. I, yeah, I exactly. Yeah. I, like, so, I don't know. So I think it's actually a very depressing exercise to, cause I, I just look, I'll just pick like a region and I start doing looking at, so I've done it at, like through the States and Ontario and Canada. Like I'll just pick a region and I start looking up Google reviews I would say there's some themes and I do think as a profession, we might need to pay a bit of attention. Like it, the most common anti like negative review is all they care about is money. Mm-hmm. So we are doing something as a profession that's giving that message. And now maybe it's just cause it costs money, but they don't, I don't know if they necessarily say that about a dentist or other professions. So I think that some of the stuff you got to tune into, like the patterns, that's what I would say, tune into the patterns of your practice, of your reviews. But don't, I think also, you know, sorry, this is like the longest answer to your, like, didn't you say quick question? And I'm like, well, not a quick well, answer. The question was but quick. Yeah, the, answer is, the answer is rambling. So I think the other part to it is just all the mental health issues that our profession, you know, we have as professionals and our profession has. And like, I don't think it's all Google and I don't think it's all these negative reviews, but it doesn't help when we're a profession that as a group, we're not only about money. That's not true. It's not fair. And I think about how hard veterinarians work, how much extra time they put in, all the things they do to try to help their client and to help their patient. And then that's that's the thanks you get is like these people just crapping all over you, uh, you know, about stuff that's really ridiculous. So I think I just decided, oh, and then I have two, like, I have some nieces, two of them really encouraged me, but I have three nieces and one nephew. They're all, they're all like, well, one of them's not a teenager anymore, but they're all teenagers and they they love TikTok. And so I was like, hey guys, I'm going to do this because I put it mostly on, I have more reviews on TikTok. So they're like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So I think that they encouraged me to learn how to use TikTok. That was what I did during the pandemic. How pathetic is that after what you just said that I need to better myself? You know, but you, but you bettered the industry. I did TikTok videos. So yeah, I just, I just find them and I just read them and I I just, I think they make veterinarians laugh. Um, I don't know, like. I might have to branch out and do something else. If anyone's listening and they have like a really, this is my favorite is when a veterinarian sends me their like best worst review, if that makes sense. You like, had one recently on Instagram where it was a request. So that's what yeah, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've had a couple of people have sent me and been like, this is a terrible review I got. And I, I never will say the vet's name. Um, so if people, I'll never say your clinic name. You. Pardon? What if they say, go on. Oh, then I guess if they want me to, I will. But I don't, as a rule, I don't identify the clinic. And actually, some people, some people think they're all my reviews, <laughs> which is hilarious. And they're like, don't worry, Sarah, you're a great vet. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank they're you. not, they're not mine, but I just read them. Yeah. So I like doing that. I think it's funny. I don't know. I think it's funny. And I think, I don't know. I always think with the stuff I'm doing, the veterinary comedy stuff I'm doing, there is a a very there's a very distinct purpose so like i am trying to make veterinary professionals have a better day and laugh that's like that's a goal that's a, that's what i'm tra- that's exactly what i'm trying to do so if someone if someone watches that and just like had a horrible day and it just makes them laugh like perfect that's that's all i was trying to achieve the other comedy stuff like i have other goals with regard to like i want to be i want to be really good at comedy and want to learn and i want to be you know i want to take these classes and this program so i can be as good as i can be because ultimately i'm a nerd so i'm going to do that but um 
yeah, when I do stuff for veterinarians, I am like, I am trying to imagine them like logging onto that and just, you know, laughing or having a better day or realizing that that review that's so stinky and mean, like other vets are getting the same thing and it's, it's okay. You know, you know, again, I say like, just look at the pattern. So that's what I got out of it. So, uh, of course it made me laugh watching them or watching them. I then decided, Hey, I want to, I want to see how she did this. So how can I figure out what these, you know, how can I do the same sort of thing? Not that I'm going to, but so what it ended up doing is one, it made me laugh Two, It made me realize that, and I kind of knew this, but I'm not the only one who gets these reviews. Um, but also I started doing my own searches and I did what you did. I picked certain States. And so I realized, and then I went to other countries and I realized that we're all the same. We're all dealing with the same crap. And there's a very, you know, hashtag, not all clients, but there's a very small percentage in any country. And then I reached out to a friend of mine in India who owns some clinics who I had kind of volunteered with and da, 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 da. And she said, it's exactly the same thing, whether the clients are expats or locals from India, whether they're, you know, the lowest economy or the lowest, uh, they have the caste system there, that lowest caste system or the upper caste, they all complain about the same thing. It just might be different sort of degrees. Um, and so all around the world, it's the same sort of thing. And People I, are giving I imagine us one star that veterinarians are getting the same thing out of it, that, that we're realizing it makes us laugh and we're not alone and it's the same all over the world. And, and it's, it's, it's helpful. It's super helpful. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's it. That's the whole goal is just, you know, I, I actually like would love it if I don't think this will ever happen because I don't think I'm trying to shine a light on our profession too. And so I would love it if, other, you know, someone else would take notice of these reviews or something or what's happening in our profession and be like, are veterinarians okay? What's going on? Like, you know, because I mean, that's kind of the other side to that. And I've kind of raged about this as well, but like, you know, the, the puppy that has parvo that the veterinarian tries to save and they, they sign it over to the clinic and then they make a technician adopt the puppy or the puppy's going to die. And it just turns into this whole thing where it's just like the best intentions ever people trying, you know, a veterinarian who's just like, I can't euthanize any more puppies. Like I'm not doing it. But then the, the client's like, Hey, I want my puppy back. And then they go to the media and then the media kind of paints us as villains for yeah. taking someone's puppy and, and, and fixing the puppy for free maybe, or for less cost and then adopting it out to someone else. And First of all, I don't think we should do that. But second of all, I feel like it's easy for media to villainize us. And it's it it's so unfair. Um, and there's been a few stories in the news. And now, like, some of the corporate vet practices will say, yeah, you don't do that anymore. Like, you, yeah. you euthanize the puppy because yeah. we can't expose ourselves. Or it has to go to a rescue. The rescue has to take over ownership. The rescue has to pay the clinic, which is actually a much more appropriate in my opinion, it's a much more appropriate way to go because it's a conflict of interest to like take someone's puppy. And then we shouldn't be owning people's puppies. You know, we're not, yeah. that's not what we're about. We should be just fixing them and it costs money and this is the contract and this is what we're going to do. So I know that sounds kind of cold, but again, maybe that's from being about for 25 years. Like mm. I, I, I get that feeling of like, I can't euthanize another dog. I've been there. I've, 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 I've not euthanized dogs or cats because I'm just like, I can't do this today. And, and so I understand that, but I also think 
we have to be really careful with like doing the sign over because I think we expose ourselves to a lot of problems and we also guilt each other into taking pets that we don't necessarily want, you know. I've never really thought about this, but it is totally a conflict of interest because, you know, I know you would never do this and I would never do this, but there could be a reasonable argument to say, hey, that veterinarian wanted that dog for his favorite technician or for for whoever, they just thought it would be better with them. So now all of a sudden, Mrs. Smith is going to cost $2,000 and the prognosis is so poor and we don't do payment plans and this and that, when in fact, maybe that wasn't the true cost. I don't think really anyone's going to do that, but there's got to be a few unreasonable veterinarians out there. And even if there aren't, it's reasonable to think that someone might think that. Um, so yeah, I think you're, you're right. There's a total conflict of interest. It should be, if you're going to do that, there's a rescue. They've agreed to take it over. Whether they come back to me or not is their decision. There's no collusion going on where I can somehow benefit in the long run for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely think it, is, it, it exposes us and it, it makes me sad because I know the intentions are so good, Yeah, but it, it, it can make us look bad and it can also just create all these horrible feelings and horrible press for us as a profession. I mean, there was, there was clinics that had to shut down. And then of course the internet just goes crazy and it's not even reviews. It's like threats against staff members and all because someone was trying to save a puppy. It's, it's pretty sad. Um, so. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, a veterinarian took her own life a couple of years ago in an exact situation like that, where she rescued a, a street cat. And eventually the woman who brought it in, hey, I found this stray, was actually kind of hoarding cats and then wanted her cat back. And when she said no, because she had adopted it out to someone else, they ended up having picket signs in front of her uh, in front of her hospital. Uh, And of course, the people who were doing the picketing, they thought they were doing the right thing. Obviously, they took it way too far. and, And this woman ended up taking her own life, this veterinarian. Um, and it was almost, uh, you know, some people on social media were just saying, yeah, well, you know, she shouldn't have done that. So like there was completely a dehumanizing, uh, of what, uh, of what she was going through and, and, and no one really wanted to realize that she was actually trying to help. Uh, and she was in the right in that situation. Yeah. But, um, so. I think uh, that's a whole new element, like since we graduated, that is, really hard and I guess that's probably part of the reason for me reading these reviews is like the whole internet that whole internet rage and that whole you know all that stuff that can happen on the internet that is really unfair and and people sort of see things a certain way but they can't see the other side to it and the media feeds into that as well and these google reviews feed into that as well and we didn't have that when we first set out as veterinarians and now we do and I think it's 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 different and it is real. it's like you're being bullied online as a veterinarian I know other veterinarians who've been bullied online. Um, I haven't experienced that myself. I'm lucky, but it doesn't mean I couldn't. And I put myself out there like, you know, I'm like, oh God, some clients are going to see these reviews. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're going to think, but I'm just kind of like, well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out. I did have one client who, cause they Google me, right. Cause they're coming to a specialist. So I had a client last week said, I Googled you, Dr. Boston. You're quite a character. <laughs> <laughs> and you're supposed like, to yeah. say, yeah, yeah. Yep. I yep. said, that's true. That is, I am a character. Yeah. So. And what suture <laughs> material are you going to use, Dr. Boss? Yeah. Yeah. No, he was. 
those people, I don't think they Googled me. They wouldn't have known. They didn't need to ask me that. But yeah. <laughs> they didn't ask that question. I was going to ask, yeah. and this will be a good, uh, this will be a, a bit of a wrap up. Uh, did you, when you went in for your thyroid surgery and you're like, if this was my patient, we would have done this already. We would have done this already. Did you ask them what suture material they were going to use? I didn't. I didn't. Did but I? actually, you say that I would. The one I did. Ha- so I write about this in my book too. I, and it's still there. I have this lymph node that is like big and hard, and you know, there's not cancer in it, but it's been like that since I had my thyroid tumor, and I really wanted it removed. And uh, the surgeon said, "We're not. We won't be doing that." <laughs> was really frustrating me because I'm like, but it's like it's right there. But yeah, anyway. Oh, this is before the surgery. You're like, Hey, while you're in there, could you also, I just said, cause it was, it, it still bothers me. Cause it's like, it's, you know, I don't know. You can see me, no one can see me, but like there's my scar and then the lymph nodes right there and it's big, it's still big. But I mean, all my thyroid cancer markers are negative and Ooh. it's probably nothing. It's just one of those things that's just going to bo- probably bother me until I die. So yeah. And probably never cause a problem. So, and, and <laughs> so no, there cone it is. Of, no cone of shame when you went home. No cone of shame. No, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't go at the, uh, you tried to lick it, but yeah, I couldn't get to it. Yeah. <laughs> get to it. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Uh, I mean, this has been a blast. I think there's, I see a sitcom in this, uh, in your, in your future. Um, ah, make it big it. as a stand up comedian. That'll be your ticket to a sitcom about, about a, uh, a midlife opportunity veterinarian who's, uh, going from being a veterinarian part-time stand-up well, veterinarian by day, stand-up comedian by night. Yeah. Um, I mean, how could it go wrong? It'd be like Seinfeld, but it would actually be about something. About something. It would be about something. Okay. I'm going to work on my, I'm going to work on my pitch. I like it. There you go. Uh, well, you heard it here first, and we've got it on recording now. So yeah, uh, I, all idea. I ask for is uh, backstage tickets to your premiere uh, showing. Done. <laughs> I don't know Done. what it is. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? You could read one of my Google reviews uh, on national TV. Yeah, you got to send me one if you have a really bad, good one. I call them good, bad. Yeah, I'm sure there's some. Yeah, yeah I would have, have your to kids find me one. <laughs> I would have to go back. Um, I engage. They tell you not to, but I engage. I well, I, really? I I I answer them when they're like, "Oh, the guy he did this, he did that," and then I'm like, "Actually, in truth, I checked the record. I spoke to you four times in two days for a total of forty-seven point four minutes, you know, or something like that." And I'll make it very specific. Yeah, I think it's okay to do that if, as long as it doesn't make you crazy, you know. And it looks like when I look at them, it's like some clinics have someone that's doing that, and. I think it's okay because it's sort of saying we're here to talk to you or we can't find your name in our records. That's really common. So it's just people, they might not even have the right clinic and they're just raging. I don't know. I think people need to realize the damage that can do, you know, when they're just sitting there just firing off a one-star review. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. Definitely. Well, I mean, I'm going to try and get a bad review now. I'm going to try and get a (laughs) juicy one specifically. Maybe I'll write one for myself. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Just, that's what just I'm gonna like do. we'll read it for you. All right. Just so, yeah, that's how, uh, that's how pathetic, uh, <laughs> how much I want the attention, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, I'm going to have on my summary, all the information about, uh, about you and, uh, well not, you know, all the appropriate information about you. Uh, she lives at this house and, uh, you know, go, go talk to her. She'd be happy to answer your questions in the middle of the night about your dog's uh, spay incision from four months ago from a, what another veterinarian did. 
Perfect. Thank you so, so much. Uh, you start in September. Yeah. And is it going to be in person or I guess they don't know yet? I hope so. Yeah, yeah I really hope so. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what they decide to do. I, I think it might be a hybrid. So we'll see. But I know mm-hmm. there was like, because my husband was like, should you do, should you wait a year? Okay, you know, and then, but then I was like, I don't really want to wait. So I'll just, I'll just deal with it like everybody else, I guess. Yeah. Good. You are, you are definitely a woman uh, after my own heart. You're just, just do it. (laughs) Ready, fire, aim. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. That's a surgeon for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Wait, wait a minute. (laughs) No, no, no. I want you to aim if you're going to cut first, please. But anything else, you're just like, yeah, just do it. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. A great fallback option. Who can say my fallback option is to be a veterinarian surgeon? I know. I always have my surgical oncology hobby. Yeah, very good. Yeah, nice. it's always there. Yeah, <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, you definitely make all of us laugh, and and you're definitely helping the profession uh, deal with some of the crap we got to deal with. And instead of doing it through whining and complaining, it's through uh, humor and. Uh, just sort of, it's like laughter hugs, I think is what you're, uh, what you're Aww. giving. Me. I appreciate it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I am giving our profession a hug because I love veterinary medicine. I really do. Yeah. Excellent. But not enough to yeah. stand it full time. We'll see. <laughs> see that, what happens. On that. That's fine. It's, it's a sabbatical <laughs> that I never had. <laughs> there you go. You finally got the tenure to take your sabbatical. <laughs> I always thought when people took a sabbatical, they went to like France. Now that you can't travel, you're going to Humber College. Humber College, yeah. Yeah, it's just a sabbatical. It's good for you. Everyone should do it. Humber. Humber. (laughs) Humber College. No, that's not right. Yeah. Clown school. I'll just say I'm going to clown school. (laughs) That's right. Clown school. All right. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, appreciate your time. And uh, thanks. We're going to do this again. But I'll wait until you go to school. And then we can have lots of, uh, we can hear lots of the fun stories. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks. With the uh, penis jokes. Yeah, I can tell you guys some. (laughs) Perfect. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be on. Good night. Bye-bye.